Ladies and gentlemen, the following segment of the podcast is presented exclusively by Hillsdale College. Now in its 175th year, Hillsdale is a truly independent institution where learning is prized and intellectual enthusiasm is valued. Thank you for listening and my sincere appreciation to Hillsdale for their sponsorship. He's here. He's here. Now broadcasting from the underground command post. Deep in the bowels of a hidden bunker, somewhere under the brick and steel of a nondescript building, we've once again made contact with our leader, Mark Levin. Hello, America. Mark Levin here. Our number, 877-381-3811, We're a little house cleaning, then we'll jump right in, folks. Thank you for being here. My brothers and sisters at the Washington Times, you don't do yourselves or me any favors with headlines like this. Mark Levin, U.S. being transformed by power-mad China-like officials during coronavirus. Did I say that, Mr. Producer? I'm very careful about the words I use. Very careful about what I'm saying on the air. Power-mad China-like officials. I explained exactly what I meant. And, And here's the... The remarkable thing. Anybody can go back and listen. It's up there on marklevinshow.com, our radio website. It's been there for almost 20 years. We have an archives there that goes back around four years. So reporters can go back and listen to it. They can take clips from it and so forth. But what happens with something like this is it winds up on Wikipedia. The left wing says, look at Mark Levin, attack it. I'm talking about certain tactics. I'm talking about certain governors. I'm talking about things. I take my time to go through it. We have three hours here. And a headline writer does something like that. It's really amateurish. But then I have to live with this headline. Power-mad China-like officials. Read the entire thing that I said, or listen to the entire thing. You can go to Right Scoop. They do a good job with it. CNS does a good job with it. And of course, on my site. Now, that's just one thing I want to get out of the way. Second thing, we've been talking about the economy now for weeks and the impact of these governors shutting down the economy. The governors are shutting down the economy. Even this Sunday, I had Steve Moore on, an economist with whom I agree. And we've talked at great length about this massive $2.2 trillion spending bill. Then we saw the president's tweet and the Democrats talking about another two trillion in infrastructure. And I dare say I've been among the most outspoken individuals saying no. No. And now, of course, the House Transportation Committee is taking up the issue and Lindsey Graham is there and he's talking about it. Ladies and gentlemen, I want you to stop a second. We'll get into the coronavirus. But the truth is, most of you don't have the coronavirus. And most of you, most of you, over 99% of you who get it, are going to survive. And unlike the left that doesn't believe in life, they believe in choice. I believe in life. One person dies, it's one person too many. But we can't stop it all. 
we can try and manage our lives in a way and invent things and so forth to address it. Mother Nature is a bastard. The communist regime is a bastard. And so forth and so on. But the left, we've talked about this and I'll talk about it again, Cuomo, the media, they make it extremely hard for us to think rationally, to acquire knowledge, to apply it to to problems and so forth. Because they'll viciously attack you. And so, this is why. If you're actually relatively intelligent and thoughtful and want to have an honest conversation with your fellow citizens like I do here, it's very difficult unless you have a thick skin, which I have. Because you're accused of the most vile things. Of not believing this virus is serious. Of uh, whatever it is. So I plow ahead because I know this. What I've said is archived. And if anybody really cares about what I say, they won't go to Wikipedia. They won't go to ProPublica. They won't go to Access Radio. They won't go to Media Matters. They won't go to Media. They'll go to me. I don't need interpreters and I don't need headline writers. And that's why I'm so honored to have you because you know this. Now I want you to think of something. And by the way, 20 to 30% of the people who post on my social sites, vast majority are wonderful citizens, thoughtful people, are moronic. Are moronic. They pretend to be anti-big government, and yet they love big government. It just depends what party does it, or who does it. Even my dear friends over at Right Scoop, Brian's terrific. You should see what some of these idiots post over there. Mostly wonderful, but some of them, see Mark, I told you about Trump. See Mark, I they just can't give it up. They all think they're Jonah Goldberg. No offense. But let's go on here. If our economy tanks, please listen carefully. If our economy tanks, it's going to look, it's going to make the death rate on the coronavirus look relatively small. Because if our economy tanks, our healthcare system tanks too. That means all the people with cancer and heart disease and diabetes and Alzheimer's and God knows what are not going to receive the care, the medicine, the equipment that they need. It'll cut across. Here's the thing. A failing economy is uh, is a very honest thing. It applies equally, really. People say it affects the poor. No, everybody loses everything except for a relative small handful of people. An economy that tanks is a currency that tanks. People on pensions, people with savings, They're wiped out. They're wiped out. 
people with loans, the people who loan them, they're wiped out. So in addition to being unable to build a future, you're trying to subsist day by day. To not talk about the economy and to act like it's separate from human existence and the human welfare is to be a leftist. Because they, even when they're dealing in economics, they're not really dealing in economics. They're dealing in fantasy. Now I'm telling you right here and now that I oppose one more damn penny being spent right now. We can't even wait to see all the magnificent things that are going to happen from the $2.2 trillion that they just passed last week. And the $4 trillion in loans that Larry Kudlow has been all thrilled about, which is going to, by the way, eliminate pretty much all private capital markets. And the God knows how many jobs are going to be lost in the private financial markets. And I'm the only one talking about this. As far as I know, I can't listen to the others, but as far as I know, I don't even know if the Treasury Secretary and Congress, if they know what they did. If they know what they did. Now we're going to have an infrastructure bill. Now let's walk through this. Let's, let's think about this. We're being told to stay in our homes. Unless your job is essential. What is the basis for an essential job? We really don't know. They give a list of essential and not essential. But now we've come to learn that building roads and bridges and tunnels during the coronavirus, building bicycle paths, expanding airlines, uh, uh, airports without airlines, the wish list of local and state and county governments. That's what it is. They've been wanting the feds to pay for this forever, and they'll call it private-public partnership. That this is essential to America. So America is driven to a full stop. But it's crucial that we have more roads and more airports. Does this make sense to anybody at a time like this? And who exactly are going to take over these jobs? It's not like some guy that's been at a restaurant is all of a sudden going to mix cement. I mean, it's possible. But it's certainly not going to be the case when you're giving him 100% of his salary for the next four months. Why would he do anything? They are spending like drunken Marxists. Republicans, Democrats, executive branch, congressional, it doesn't matter. They are panicking. No longer can we say Bernie Sanders is socialist and we'll never be socialists because everybody's acting like a socialist, taking equity positions in the airlines. In other words, the government's going to own a percentage of the airlines. The government's taking over the capital markets. All while you're sleeping. All while they're throwing numbers up on the screen. Numbers that we're very concerned about. 
But we can walk and chew gum at the same time in this country. Let me give you another example. This economy, tailspins, there aren't going to be any masks and ventilators. Governor Cuomo can make demands all he wants. The Defense Production Act can be invoked all we want. There's not going to be production. Government is not all-powerful, even though it wants to be. It cannot change reality. It cannot change. It can put it off, but it cannot change it. You have true, obsessed, absurd individuals touting Franklin Roosevelt like Conrad Black. He's written an entire book on this and viciously attacks anyone who disagrees with him, which is the vast majority of intelligence scholarship. They want a new New Deal. Nobody asks, where's this money going to come from? Nobody asks, what's going to happen to the economy five, six, eight, nine years ago from now as a result of this? Mark, this is an extraordinary time. Ladies and gentlemen, you don't destroy your economy because it's an extraordinary time. This is why each day I spend my three hours walking through things because Monday, it's like a jigsaw puzzle. Connects to Tuesday, connects to Wednesday, connects to Thursday, connects to Friday. Which is why it's very frustrating when people cherry pick with a headline or cherry pick a sentence. They're not listening or they don't care to listen. They're intentionally lying. The problem isn't federal spending, ladies and gentlemen. The Republicans have been spending crazily. Even before this virus. The problem is we're shutting down the economy. The Democrats don't want to open it. The medical experts and the scientists don't want to open it. The president suggested we open parts of it, and he came under brutal attack from the media, the Democrats, and the scientists. This is a huge problem where we cannot even have an honest discussion about this. I've been talking about it day after day, week after week on all my platforms for weeks. Weeks. I have opposed this phony stimulus bill. Probably 60% of it as we look at it now. From day one. I was the first to have the guts to tell you that the president tweeting about a $2 trillion infrastructure, that the Democrats will increase it and it's going to be a disaster. When you have charlatans on TV and radio telling you to go big, to keep spending, to keep doing this, to keep doing that, they're not going to be held accountable for anything they say. They're not policymakers. They don't have a serious understanding of economics or the history of this sort of conduct. The Weimar Republic, excuse me, the Weimar Republic fell because of massive inflation. People with wheelbarrows and paper money. 
and it led to disaster. Economic disaster results in totalitarianism. Not more liberty, not more republicanism, not more property rights. The opposite. Economic disaster results in totalitarianism, and you can even hear and smell it with the Democrats. You got to use the Defense Production Act. You got to take over assembly lines. You got to do this. You got to do that. Not one word about opening the economy, capitalism, market system that has brought us the wealth and the greatest healthcare system in the world, and to the extent it's allowed to breathe, will fill the gaps that the governors and the federal government. Do not. I'll be right back. Lovin. If you and your family are finding yourself at home with extra time on your hands these days, I know an excellent way to fill it. Take a free online course from Hillsdale College. Hillsdale offers dozens of online courses on topics, including the U.S. Constitution, economics, history, and literature. Right in your own home. On demand and absolutely free of charge, Hillsdale students learn the inspiring history of America. Now you can too with Hillsdale's newest free online course, The Great American Story, A Land of Hope. Learning and teaching our children about America's past is essential for preserving liberty in the future. Register right now to take this free online course, The Great American Story. It's a production masterpiece and it paints a picture of America as a land of hope founded on high principles. This course and dozens of others on a variety of topics are available to you and your family for free right now. Go to levinforhillsdale.com, L-E-V-I-N for Hillsdale.com. See, the, uh, the economic ideology of the democratic socialists and the national populists come together and are absolutely incoherent. They talk about infrastructure creating jobs, right, Mr. Producer? We don't need infrastructure building to create jobs. We were creating jobs without it. We don't need make-work jobs. We need restaurants to open again and bars to open again and all these other things to open again. We don't need make-work jobs, government-subsidized jobs. I don't even understand it. Why are we doing that when we're telling all these other private businesses to shut the hell down? Will somebody please explain it to me? Because I don't get it. Why are we creating government jobs with infrastructure when we're shutting down the private sector? I'll be right back. If you and your family are finding yourself at home with extra time on your hands these days, I know an excellent way to fill it. Take a free online course from Hillsdale College. Hillsdale offers dozens of online courses on topics, including the U.S. Constitution, economics, history, and literature. Right in your own home, on demand and absolutely free of charge. Hillsdale students learn the inspiring history of America. Now you can too, with Hillsdale's newest free online course, The Great American Story, A Land of Hope. Learning and teaching our children about America's past is essential for preserving liberty in the future. Register right now to take this free online course, The Great American Story. It's a production masterpiece, and it paints a picture of America as a land of hope founded on high principles. 
This course and dozens of others on a variety of topics are available to you and your family for free right now. Go to levinforhillsdale.com, L-E-V-I-N for Hillsdale.com. Morning show. You can reach Mark now at 877-381-3811. Let me tell you what I mean. Nancy Pelosi. She is desperate for the government to take over private factories. Because in San Francisco, let's just be honest, there's not a hell of a lot of manufacturing going on in San Francisco. So you have uh, power-hungry politicians in many cases, and she is a nasty human being. From San Francisco and cities like that, you're making demands on other parts of the country. And just think about how irrational that would be, the amount of time it would take for the federal government to run a private assembly line. Who are they going to use? What are they going to do exactly? And who's going to do it? So here she is today on CNN. Cut three, go. So yesterday, we spent the day, uh, our Democratic members on the phone almost all day, communing with each other, with the press, uh, with everyone we could to say, Mr. President, implement uh, the Defense Production Act, uh, because our men and women... To do what? To do what? I, 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 don't, I don't even understand this. These... Large corporations, they're allowed to be open, depending on the states, are working 24-7 to produce uh, ventilators and masks and gowns and, and beds and treatments, uh, vaccines. What is it exactly that the federal government is going to do and who exactly in the federal government is going to run these companies? You see, they throw this out there because they know there's enough people who say, we need to do more, we need to do more, we need to do more. We need to do more what? And who's going to do it? Go ahead. Our first responders, our health care providers, our teachers. How would nationalizing industries help our first responders? And our health care providers and the TSA? It has nothing to do with it. Nothing. Go ahead. Everyone who comes in contact uh, with uh, is administering to the needs of people who are sick or potentially uh, infected uh, deserves our help. But what does this mean exactly? uh, And she's never grilled. She's never pressed. It makes absolutely no sense whatsoever. How is nationalizing our industries going to help the cops and the firefighters and TSA and everyone who comes in touch with the virus. It's not. And then to show you where she's coming from, I want you to listen to this on spending. Cut for go. Uh, do you have a price tag? I said a down payment, and I meant a down payment. We need to do much more, as well as invest in the, the recovery. I, I'm not sure if you can hear me, but if you can, the last one was $2 trillion. Do you have a price tag on this one? 
Oh, uh, now I can hear you. Well, two children, let's put that in perspective. Everybody says, oh, it's the biggest bill. This or that. It was comparable to what the president and the Republicans did with their tax scam to give uh, 83% of the benefits to the top 1%. Okay, let, let's just stop. 83% of the benefits to the top 1%. So here we are, class warfare. Not only is it a lie, but it's so utterly inappropriate. And it wasn't even close to $2 trillion. So what they do is they add up like 10 years worth. You know, oh, look at this. The fact of the matter is that money belongs to us. It belongs to the private citizen or the private uh, entrepreneur, the small businessman. It belongs to us. So if we get to keep our money, that's not spending. If they spend $2 trillion... They already have a budget of $4.5 trillion. They're spending $2.2 trillion. We've got an on-budget debt of now $22 to $23 trillion. We have an off-budget debt for entitlements of over $200 trillion. And they say they're talking about a recovery, you see. Go ahead. Country that was over uh, with interest, uh, it would close to two trillion dollar bill uh, that didn't create jobs, only added to the national debt. So let's not make it sound like this is something. All right, so, so, so something exorbitant. It's not something exorbitant. The most massive spending bill in world history is not exorbitant, ladies and gentlemen. Now we're on to the next one, and there might be another one after that. If you don't raise your voices like I am, it's just a matter of time. That this one Congress and this one event is going to forever restructure this society in a way that in the long term will create poverty in an enormously powerful central government. President Trump's not going to be president forever. And you can hear the mindset here. This is what I continue to talk about. This is what I keep talking about. And the president is constantly attacked because, even by some pseudo-conservatives and never-Trumpers, he should have acted faster in the first few weeks of this. He should have acted. He should have told people to shudder at home. president's listening to the science. Isn't that they say, listen to your scientists, Mr. Producer? Isn't that what they tell him? Listen to your experts. He was listening to his experts. And one more time, well, maybe not one more time, maybe I'll do it again. On January 26th, here's what America's expert said to John Castamitis. Here's what America's expert said, Dr. Fauci, and I'm not attacking him. I'm saying, here's what he said. Here's who the president was listening to. January 26th, cut to go. What can you tell the American people uh, about what's going on? Should they be scared? Uh, I don't think so. The American people should not be worried or frightened by this. It's a very, very low risk to the United States. It isn't something that the American public needs to worry about or be frightened about because we have ways of preparing, of screening, of people coming in, and we have ways of responding like we did with this one case in Seattle, Washington, who had traveled to China and brought back the infection. I didn't hear any TV host or radio host or even any Democrats while they're in the middle of their impeachment trial. Not one of them. Ringing bells, sounding alarms, saying, no, this needs to be taken seriously. The only person 
in Congress who did was Tom Cotton. But they weren't listening to Tom Cotton, were they? Now, I'll tell you what Democrats were saying, thanks to Grabian. They put a montage together. The New York City Health Commissioner, the Mayor of New York, Speaker Pelosi, John Lee, New York State Senator, Bernie Sanders, Ron Klain, who was Biden's right-hand guy, then Obama's right-hand guy. Here's what they were saying early on. Cut one, go. The risk to New Yorkers for coronavirus is low, and our city preparedness is high. This should not stop you from going about your life, should not stop you from going to Chinatown and going out to eat. I'm going to do that today myself. Come to Chinatown. Here we are. We're, again, careful, safe, and come join us. There is no concern at this time for coronavirus in our region. The Department of Sanitation is ready for Mardi Gras 2020. The facts are reassuring. We want New Yorkers to go about their daily lives. But there's really no need to panic and to avoid activities that we always do as New Yorkers. We are hardy people. Americans do not need to panic. What I would suggest, however, is that Americans take this as a wake-up call for seasonal flu. There's very little threat here. This disease, even if you were to get it, basically acts like a common cold or flu. So we're telling New Yorkers, go about your lives, take the subway, go out, enjoy life, and certainly not to miss the parade next Sunday. I'm going to be there. If you had to, would you close down the borders? No. We need to be honest about the American people with the American people about the fact that we can't keep people coming here from China. And transmission is not that easy. I think there's been a misperception um, that coronavirus hangs in the air waiting to catch you. No, it takes direct person-to-person contact. We also know that if it were likely to be transmitted casually, we would be seeing a lot, a lot more, more cases. cases. Right, right, because yeah. this is New York and you're in elevators exactly. and trains exactly. with everybody all the time. And it goes on. These are all Democrats and all health experts, quote-unquote, especially in New York. Why wasn't President Trump taking this more seriously early on, ladies and gentlemen? He was following the science and the scientists, including Dr. Fauci. Tell me, why weren't the Democrats taking it more seriously? Pelosi and Schumer and de Blasio and Cuomo. And tell me why Nancy Pelosi's been in Congress for a long, long time. Cuomo's been governor a long time now. Why didn't they mention early on, long before the China coronavirus, that there weren't enough beds, enough ventilators? Should there be a pandemic? The research was there. The scholarship was there. I've read it to you. Why wasn't a priority with Congress when the breakout occurred in China? Because they were so focused on a coup against the President of the United States, for which they take no responsibility whatsoever. Democrats, the media, the experts, none of them thought this was a big deal. So why do they keep trashing the President of the United States? Because they're disgusting and disgraceful, that's why. He's doing more and working harder than any other human being on the face of the earth to try and figure this out. Doesn't mean I agree with all the administration's decisions. Certainly on the economic side, I strongly do not. 
This is not an FDR moment. An FDR moment? The fools out there promoting another new deal? Twisting the FDR record? Unbelievable. There cannot be, over time, a strong, robust economic recovery when the federal government's taking over the capital markets via the Fed. There cannot be a robust economy when people are losing their jobs left and right, and yet massive spending, inflationary spending, is taking place. There cannot be a robust private market when now they're talking... You know, all of you people without jobs... All you people who've lost your jobs because governors have shut your businesses, because governors have said you're not essential. All of you people who've lost your jobs, all of you people who are losing your businesses, you should be pissed off tonight. When you hear Republicans and Democrats in Congress and in Washington, D.C. talking about infrastructure jobs, that they're going to spend $2 trillion at least on building roads and highways and airports when people are not on the roads and the highways and at the airports. When they shutter your jobs and shutter your businesses and ask you to sacrifice, which is all well and good, but at the same time tell you they're going to create jobs with massive deficit spending on their priorities. All of a sudden, apparently the people who are going to do all this are essential when you're not essential. I've had enough of this economic insanity. I'll be right back. Mark Lovin. If you and your family are finding yourself at home with extra time on your hands these days, I know an excellent way to fill it. Take a free online course from Hillsdale College. Hillsdale offers dozens of online courses on topics including the U.S. Constitution, economics, history, and literature. Right in your own home, on demand, and absolutely free of charge. Hillsdale students learn the inspiring history of America. Now you can, too, with Hillsdale's newest free online course, The Great American Story, A Land of Hope. Learning and teaching our children about America's past is essential for preserving liberty in the future. Register right now to take this free online course, The Great American Story. It's a production masterpiece, and it paints a picture of America as a land of hope founded on high principles. This course and dozens of others on a variety of topics are available to you and your family for free right now. Go to levinforhillsdale.com, L-E-V-I-N for Hillsdale.com. Listen to what I'm saying, not to what people say I'm saying. We're now being told that if you get the coronavirus, that at least two of the largest insurance companies in the country have been persuaded to treat you for free. So it doesn't cost you a dime. Okay. What if you get cancer? Well, no. Stroke? No. Diabetes? No. 
Alzheimer's? No. Heart disease? No. Coronavirus? Yes. Why? Why the coronavirus and not something? I don't know. Why is it essential to pour cement and lay asphalt when people aren't using the roads and everybody else is being told to stay home? I don't know. Anyone figure that one out? How can you create jobs when governors are shutting down businesses? See, ladies and gentlemen, Congress, and not just Congress, Washington has an agenda. And you're seeing it. When this is all said and done, and it will be one day, the federal government will own the private capital markets. This is frightening. So when you need a mortgage or anything of the sort or business needs a loan, the federal government, through its private surrogates, will now control and make the decisions. That is an enormous amount of power. We have never seen the centralization of finance in this country like this. Not even under the great FDR. Not even during the Civil War under Abraham Lincoln. Never. Never. This kind of debt? You've never seen this kind of debt. None of you. They say it's going to stimulate the economy. Why are they trying to stimulate the economy when they're shutting down the economy? Can somebody please explain this to me? Please. They can't. And one day you'll pay the price. Unfortunately, <clears throat> it'll be too late then. Now, the reprobates who call themselves Democrats in Congress are already plotting and planning for a commission to review how the president and the federal executive branch has been handling this virus, even before they're done. Now, they're not going to review how Congress handled anything, of course. They're not going to review how Congress was distracting everybody with a coup. That they're not going to do. But when it comes to the executive branch, and here's the thing, this is being led again by Adam Schiff. Adam Schiff is the chairman of the House Intelligence Committee, ladies and gentlemen. What the hell has that committee done about communist red China? And the Xi Jinping regime? And their lies? And their propaganda? Where the hell is the House Intelligence Committee? Why aren't they holding hearings on this? Rather than plotting their next attempt to destroy our president. War when I return. From the Westwood One Podcast Network. He's here. He's here. Now, broadcasting from the underground command post, deep in the bowels of a hidden bunker, somewhere under the brick and steel of a nondescript building, we've once again made contact with our leader, Mark Levin. Hello, America. Mark Levin here. Our number, 877 877-381-3811. You see, here's the difference between the president and the Democrats, the president and the media, and the president 
and some of his informal and formal advisors. The president is not trying to drive an ideological agenda. So you have people who try to advise him on TV and radio. You have people who may be advising him in the confidence of the Oval Office, pushing agendas. Franklin Roosevelt, New Deal, go big, infrastructure, do this, do that. The president is not an ideologue. That's not how he thinks. So while I might disagree with him on a massive infrastructure spending bill, as an example, and of course Congress has gone nuts, they're all excited about this as they were. I mean, we just passed $2.2 trillion last week. In addition to the federal budget, in addition to all the other programs that are out there, state and federal. And, you know, to be honest with you, the rest of the country is looking at this. That isn't in and around Washington, D.C., and quite frankly, isn't in and around New York City. And we're all looking at go, what the hell's going on here? Help thy neighbor. Don't bankrupt thy country. But so he's not driven by abstractions and theories and failed ideologies and everything. He believes these are the right things to do for the country. This is why I defend him as a man and as president and do not want to see him as a man and president sabotaged. And yet you can be respectfully disagreeing with aspects of this, not to attack, but in hopes that it it counters some of the advice that he's getting. That's what I do. I've done it with every president, even the president I worked directly for, Ronald Reagan. Same thing. The Bushes, same thing. Now, there's a piece in the Telegraph, a UK newspaper, which the American media do not want you to know about, and anytime anybody cites it, they are trashed. So let me get right to it. And it raises an issue, again, that we've been talking about here at some length. The headline of this piece is, Why have so many coronavirus patients died in Italy? By Sarah Nui, global health security correspondent for The Telegraph, which is a real newspaper. So here we go. And it's very, very interesting as I get to a point. The coronavirus pandemic is exacting a heavy toll on Italy, with hospitals overwhelmed and a nationwide lockdown imposed. By the way, a reporter says to the president today, look, you have governors who haven't shut down entire states, like DeSantis just did it. You know, these guys should have done it early on. Shut everything down. Except the news media, of course. Shut everything down. And she says to the president, why don't you take the power out of the hands of the governors and issue a stay-at-home order yourself as president? Incredible. As I said from the start, in the backbenchers regurgitate, they accuse him of being a dictator, which he's not, but they want a dictator. At least they think they do. And here's the easy answer. The president has no constitutional authority, no power to shut down any state, period. The president has no power 
to take authority away from a governor and substitute his decision or countermand his decision. In this respect and many other respects. Period. It'd be nice if these reporters knew what the hell was in the Constitution. But of course, that's asking too much. Let's go on. So the the coronavirus pandemic is exacting a heavy toll on Italy, writes the reporter, reporter for the Telegraph, with hospitals overwhelmed and a nationwide lockdown imposed. But experts are also concerned about a seemingly high death rate with the number of fatalities outstripping the total reported in China. Anything you see from China is a lie, so I don't know why anybody's even referring to China, but let's go on. Now remember, this is about a week old. Of the 63,927 people confirmed coronavirus patients in Italy, over 6,000 so far have died. By contrast, they tell about China. In very crude terms, this means that around 9% of confirmed coronavirus patients have died in Italy, compared to 4% in China. But this measure, by this measure, Germany, which has so far identified 28,865 and 118 deaths, has a fatality rate of just 0.4%. So why the disparity? I haven't gotten to the part yet that I want to get to, but i got to give you the context. According to Professor Walter uh, Riccardi, scientific advisor to Italy's Minister of Health. The country's mortality rate is far higher due to demographics. The nation is the second oldest population worldwide and the manner in which hospitals record deaths. The age of our patients in hospitals is substantially older, he says. Median age is 67, while in China it's 46. So essentially, he says, the age distribution of our patients is squeezed to an older age, and this is substantial and increasing the lethality. A study in JAMA, that's a big deal, medical document, uh, uh, publication, this week found that almost 40% of infections and 87% of deaths in the country have been in patients 70 years or older. And according to modeling by Imperial College, I don't know why anybody focuses on this Imperial College anymore, but even our experts are. The majority of this age group are likely to need critical hospital care, including 80% of the 80-somethings, putting immense pressure on the healthcare system. Now, I want you to listen to this. But Professor Riccardi, this is a renowned professor who's advising the Italian government, added that Italy's death rate may also appear high because of how doctors record fatalities. Quote, it's a quote, not me. The way in which we code deaths in our country is very generous in the sense that all the people who die in hospitals with the coronavirus are deemed to be dying of the coronavirus. On reevaluation, he says, by the National Institute of Health, only 12% of death certificates have shown a direct uh, causality from coronavirus, with 88% of patients who have died having at least one premorbidity. Many had two or three, he said. Now, of course, it doesn't mean the virus didn't contribute to the patient's death. But it demonstrates that Italy's fatality toll has surged as a large proportion of patients have underlying health conditions. Now, I have been asking this question for weeks. I've been asking reporters to ask Dr. Fauci, to ask Dr. Burks, to ask the experts that are advising Cuomo, to ask all of them. I have been asking for weeks. 
please listen, journalists out there. How are they defining a death as primarily tied to the coronavirus disease? You know, these newsrooms, if you're going to run these graphics on your monitor 24-7, then you have a responsibility as so-called professionals to explain them to us. Deaths as a result of coronavirus. What does that mean? A perfect example. Let's say you have an extremely sick individual. They're on oxygen. They have an oxygen tank. They're in a wheelchair. They have severe heart disease. They're at home. Maybe they're in their 70s. Just an an example. And they get the Wuhan, China coronavirus. They're rushed off to the hospital. And unfortunately, they pass away within 24, 48, 72 hours. Now, if they're going to give us statistics, my question is, how do you report that death? The CDC puts out numbers. I'm asking the CDC. I'm asking the newsrooms who run with these numbers. Is that death recorded as primarily due to heart disease or to the coronavirus? Which category is that being put into? This isn't a conspiracy theory. I'm not trying to jack up the numbers or reduce the numbers. I want to know the answer to this. How are you defining a death, a coronavirus death? Is it the fact that the person has the virus regardless of other circumstances? Well, then how are you reporting deaths from heart disease and diabetes and strokes and cancer and all the rest where the individual may have coronavirus disease? Mr. Peters, do you understand my point? So the number they keep flashing on the screen, I'll bet you every single news person, so-called journalist, host, whomever, even the expert doctors that they're bringing on cannot give you an answer to that question. So what exactly does that number mean? They keep flashing it on the screen. I want to know. Dr. Fauci, Dr. Burks, Dr. Doctor, all the TV news networks. I want to know, what does that mean? They don't know, and they're not even looking into it. They're not even looking into it. Go ahead on the CDC site now and tell me where it says it. You're not going to find it. I've been there. Now, I don't have the ability to speak to these people. Many of them shy away from me. I don't know why. Maybe they think I'm too tough. I don't know what it is. They have no reason to. You see my show on Sunday on Fox. I'm the nicest guy in the world. So that's my question. In addition to the other questions I've been asking, if they're going to give us these statistics, the other category of numbers, confirmed cases of the coronavirus. They have no idea how many people have the coronavirus. None. So now they have better defined it, at least Fox has made an effort, at least 
such and so number of confirmed cases. Right, because we don't know how many confirmed cases. We don't know how many cases there are is what I'm trying to say. So even there, when the so-called science experts put out their information on the percentage of people who are dying as a result of the coronavirus, two variables they cannot explain to you. One is, what do they mean by death related to coronavirus? Number two, your denominator isn't right. We don't know, and we'll probably never know, how many people have or had the coronavirus. Now a third point, may I? We had a brilliant caller last night. His name was Edgar. He was 88 years old. He was a a virologist. I'll get these words down. His name was Alfred, sorry. I thought it was Edgar. Doesn't matter. He'd worked with Dr. Fauci and worked with Dr. Burks for more than a decade. He worked with them in the military. He worked with them in government. And you could tell he was a brilliant man. They were very fortunate he called the program. And he said a number of profound things. And one of them, he said, this mitigation process ensures that there'll be another another wave, at least one more, probably several more, of Wuhan, China coronavirus attacks. Because basically you're telling people to live in a bubble so they don't get the virus and they don't pass it on, correct? And the goal is, they say, to flatten the curve. 30 days to flatten the curve. 15 days to flatten the curve. We need to flatten the curve. Okay, flatten the curve. So first of all, when do we know that we can go out and play in the playground again? When do we know when we can open restaurants again? I mean, so we can use our brand new highways and roads and tunnels that the people in Washington want to build for us. When will we know? That's number one. Number two, when we start opening up the country, what's going to happen to the people who never had the virus and therefore haven't built an immune system against the virus. What's going to happen to them, Mr. Producer? They're going to get the virus. Because it spreads so fast and it's so aggressive. Right? They tell us it's not like the flu. It's much worse. So if you have tens of millions of people holed up in their homes... Wearing masks, maybe working. You know what? I'm starting to. Uh, may I make a suggestion? I made this suggestion over a month ago. How about everybody wear a burqa? What do you think about that, Mr. Medusa? You're covered head to toe, your face is covered, your head's covered. Just uh, cut out the slots for your eyes. Then we'll all be set. That's it. Is there a run on burkas right now? Anyway, let me move on. Everybody does what they're being asked to do. And then the siren goes off and says, all right, let's get back to normal. We're going to open up the economy, the governor said. Well, tens of millions of people who did exactly what they're being asked to do will not have received and not have caught, I should say, the virus. And so they didn't go through the 
the process in which you build up immunity to the virus. And so my point is, when Dr. Fauci said the other day that this could be a seasonal virus, I think he knows what our caller knows and what we figured out. It's going to be a seasonal virus because of these mitigation practices. I'm not saying don't do them. I'm doing them. But I'm saying as a country, as a country, by doing them, we kind of ensure that we're going to get hit again, aren't we? I'll be right back. Mark in. In today's digital age, where cyber threats loom larger than ever, safeguarding your personal information is paramount. So why is Congress considering a law that could put your credit card data at greater risk of being hacked and exposed to foreign networks? This Durbin Marshall credit card bill could jeopardize your financial data, make it more susceptible to cyber intrusions. It's a controversial bill that proposes a shift in billions of dollars worth of consumer transactions to payment networks that lack the robust security measures consumers rely on. Who could possibly want that? Well, the answer, woke corporate megastores seeking to inflate their multi-billion dollar profit margins. The Durbin Marshall credit card bill will undermine our safe and convenient payment systems and endanger your data security. It's time to take a stand. Visit electronicpaymentscoalition.org. Make your voice heard. Tell your senators to oppose the radical Durbin Marshall credit card bill paid for by the Electronic Payments Coalition. Well, I went along there for a while, which I needed. One of the early doctors, this is in the uh, Daily Mail from a few hours ago, another British newspaper, I might add, get a lot of good information from foreign news sources. Very little from domestic news sources, but now and then. Uh, And one of the doctors who was among the first to alert medics and others about the Wuhan virus, its effects, to advise her medical students to wear masks. She's missing. She's missing. I wonder what happened to this poor lady. I want to tell you a little bit about this because so many of these models that our experts are citing and so forth are based on lies, disinformation, and misinformation from China. I want to tell you about this poor doctor. I'll be right back. Seeking the truth never gets old. Introducing June's Journey, the free-to-play mobile game that will immerse you in a thrilling murder mystery. Join June Parker as she uncovers hidden objects and clues to solve her sister's death in a beautifully illustrated world set in the roaring 20s. With new chapters added every week, the excitement never ends. Download June's Journey now on your Android or iOS device, or play on PC through Facebook games. Mark Levin, the voice the liberals want to silence. But you can talk to Mark at 877-381-3811. And so we get 
with more tests, we get now over 200,000 Americans had the virus. Over 200,000? Let's say 200 million have the virus. And the deaths associated with it are 4, 5, 6, 7, 8,000, 20,000, which is horrific. I mean, I can point to diseases and illnesses that are just, in terms of death, are absolutely crazy. Again, not to downplay this, but my God, there needs to be some level of context, doesn't there? So watch all the idiots who compared this to the flu, based on the science, and all the idiots who were pushing impeachment while this was breaking out. Oh, you know what? He doesn't care about this. They're just disgusting. I want to tell you about something that's actually a wonderful service, and it's a new sponsor. But listen to this. As social distancing has become the new norm, it's more important than ever to call text, or video chat with our loved ones, which means you need a low-cost wireless service, a low-cost wireless service. I'll bet yours isn't. That has a great quality of service. Well, you can feel confident with Pure Talk USA. I literally just spoke to these folks two days ago. They're the real deal. Pure Talk USA covers 99% of all American households. And during the month of April, you can enjoy unlimited talk, text, plus one gig of data for as little as 20 bucks a month. And if you're an AMAC member, you can get plans as low as $10 a month. Now, this is real money that Pure Talk is putting back into your pocket during the time you need it most. Switching literally takes a couple minutes. That's all. You can even keep your number, that is, your phone number. And Pure Talk's customer service is all U.S.-based. U.S.-based. They're the only wireless provider that AMAC endorses, so you know they care about their customers. So I want to strongly encourage you to do what I've done. Switch to Pure Talk today. Start saving every single month. I'm giving you many ways... To save money, whether it's mortgage interest and now your phone. Here's what I want you to do. Dial pound 250, that's pound 250, and say the keyword Mark Levin. Ah, I got to love that. Again, dial pound 250, say Mark Levin. Pound 250, promo code Mark Levin. I really want you to to get this service. It's low cost, it's great quality, low cost, great quality. And if you act now in April, you'll get special deals. And this is, this is what you have to look for right now under difficult economic times. There are small companies that are trying to fill voids. There are small companies that are gonna give you better deals Pure Talk is a fantastic company. I spoke to these people two days ago. And I wanted them as my sponsor. And they wanted to be a sponsor because they wanted to reach you, you Levinites. Again, that's pound 250, promo code Mark Levin. Pure Talk USA, pound 250, promo code Mark Levin. Folks, it takes, you keep your phone number, 
You'll cut your costs every month. You'll have top quality service. It's great service. I know I'm using it. Pure Talk USA promo code Mark Levin. It's simple. It's smarter. It's wireless. And it's available to you now. Please take advantage of it. This is from the Daily Mail. Wuhan doctor. By, by, by the way, these doctors, I don't even know who half of them, I don't even know who 90% of them are. They just show up on cable TV, you know, Mr. Producer? This guy's an infectious disease guy. This guy is a, is a virus guy. This guy's a, uh, I don't know. From all these different hospitals and everything, I don't know what kind of public policy knowledge they have. But they want to shut down the whole country. Nancy Pelosi wants to shut down the whole country, except, of course, when she's subsidizing something. Absolute insanity. Daily Mail, Wuhan doctor who was among the first to alert other medics to the spread of the coronavirus goes missing. Amid fears, she's been detained for speaking out. She's not the only one. Real independent journalists in China, citizens, unlike what we have mostly in this country, they've gone missing. I also read where the Xi Jinping government, the communist regime, is now bulldozing churches, Christian churches, using as a pretext that they found coronavirus disease there. A Wuhan doctor who was among the first to alert other medics to the spread of coronavirus has disappeared, sparking concerns that she's been detained, reports suggest. Dr. Ai Fen, that's A-I-F-E-N, said she faced unprecedented, extremely harsh reprimand by officials at Wuhan Central Hospital after she shared a picture of a patient report labeled SARS coronavirus. She labeled it that. And my God, was she right. Now, the image was widely circulated and made its way to whistleblower Li Wenlang, who raised the alarm about the bug, which has killed more than 41,000 people worldwide. And when you include China, China's probably lost two, three, four hundred thousand people, so they lie. Dr. Li was reprimanded by authorities for illegally spreading untruthful information online, quote unquote. She gave an interview to a Chinese magazine criticizing the hospital's management for dismissing the early warnings of the coronavirus, but has, been not, but has not been seen since, says 60 Minutes Australia. What is it that the Australia reporters have over our reporters and the British reporters have over our reporters? What they have, they're professionals. My God, they get the information. After the 60 Minutes Australia... Uh, investigation aired a post on the doctor's Weibo account, a social media platform similar to Twitter, shared a picture with the caption, a river, a bridge, a road, a clock chime. Her rumored disappearance comes after criticism was levied at the Chinese government for lying and covering up key information during virtually every stage of its coronavirus response. Beijing initially tried to cover up the outbreak, by punishing medics who discovered it, denying it could spread person to person, and delaying a lockdown of affected regions, meaning early opportunities to control the spread were lost. I'm sure the, the Democrats' plot to create a coronavirus commission 
will be focused on what China has done to our country, to our people. Then what, maybe if they weren't so obsessed with Russia and the Ukraine, maybe they could have gotten a head start on this. Then once the virus began spreading, the Communist Party began censoring public information about it and actually spread disinformation overseas, including suggesting that U.S. troops could have been the initial carriers. Even now, prominent politicians have warned that infection and death totals being reported by the regime are likely to be wrong, with locals in the epicenter of Wuhan suggesting the true tolls could be 10 times higher. That's because Radio Free Asia is making phone calls to these people, not because the New York Times, Washington Post, and all the rest of them are actually doing a damn thing. Now, in the interview prior to her alleged disappearance, no, it's an actual disappearance, Dr. I admitted, quote, feeling regretful about not speaking out more, unquote, after four of her colleagues, including Dr. Lee, had contracted the virus and died while fighting the outbreak. These are heroes. Because they're not only fighting this horrific virus, they're fighting their government and they're fighting for their lives to get information out to save and protect other people. She said, if I had known what would have happened today, I wouldn't have cared about the reprimand. I would have told whoever and wherever I want. The interview was posted on Tuesday, but quickly retracted from social media by its publisher, People Magazine. China style, I guess. On December 30, Dr. I received a patient's report labeled SARS coronavirus. She said she broke out into a cold sweat after reading the lab results several times. The SARS epidemic 17 years ago infected more than 8,000 people worldwide and killed over 800. The medic circled the word SARS and sent a picture of the report to one of her former classmates and a group chat within her department. She said she alerted hospital authorities about the case. Later that evening, the stuff was shared all over the place with screenshots of the report bearing my red circle, she said. She added, these platforms included the chatting group, which Lee Wen Lang shared the information with. I thought something bad is going to happen. You see, Chinese doctor Lee Wen Lang is thought to be the very first doctor in China to figure this out. And he caught the virus and he died. Two days later, the Wuhan medic, summoned by the head of the hospital's disciplinary inspection committee, this is the woman doctor, Dr. I. Dr. I said she faced unprecedented, extremely harsh reprimand and was accused of spreading rumors, as I just said. She said, I was in shock. What did I do wrong? Knowing the fact that a significant virus has been found on a patient, how can I not tell when another doctor asks about it? Another early doctor to first find this out was an ophthalmologist by the name of Lee Wenlang. He died too. He was pronounced dead. Dr. Mei Jianming Another early doctor. He was declared dead. Now this 34-year-old medic succumbed to the deadly contagion in the early hours Friday morning local time despite attempts to resuscitate him. 
Three other doctors who worked along with the late heroic whistleblower, Dr. Lee Wen Lang, have also died of the disease after contracting it while fighting the outbreak. Dr. I said she doesn't think of herself as a whistleblower. She said, I was the one handing out the whistles. This incident has shown that everyone needs to have their own thoughts because someone has to step up to speak the truth, she said. The world needs different kinds of voices. My God, she's courageous. And now she's missing. And now she's missing. Oh, you know, God forbid. I'll be right back. Wait till you hear what I'm going to tell you right after our sponsorship here. If you and your family are finding yourself at home with extra time in your hands these days, I know an excellent way to fill it. Take a free online course from Hillsdale College. Now's the time. Hillsdale offers dozens of online courses on topics including the Constitution, economics, history, and literature. Right in your own home, on demand, and absolutely free of charge. Hillsdale students learn the inspiring history of America, and now you can too with Hillsdale's newest free online course, The Great American Story, A Land of Hope. Learning and teaching our children about America's past is essential for preserving liberty in the future. Register now to take this free online course, The Great American Story. I'm telling you, our sponsors have all stepped up. Perfect time for this. It's a production masterpiece, and it paints a picture of America as a land of hope founded on high principles. This course and dozens of others on a variety of topics are available to you and your family for free. You ought to really check them out. Go to levinforhillsdale.com, L-E-V-I-N for Hillsdale.com, levinforhillsdale.com. I want you to listen to this. And this is from this site, Mediaite, by Josh Feldman. But this guy, Josh Feldman, is one of the few really decent human beings at this site. Most of them are quite indecent. At different points of Wednesday's White House press briefing that finished about an hour ago on the coronavirus, CNN and MSNBC not only cut away from the briefing, but criticized President Trump for today's big focus on U.S. efforts against drug trafficking. The president said at one point, as governments and nations focus on the coronavirus, there's a growing threat that cartels, criminals, terrorists, and other malign actors will try to exploit the situation for their own gain. And we must not let that happen. We will never let that happen. Today, he said, the United States is launching enhanced counter-narcotics operations in the Western Hemisphere, To protect the American people from the deadly scourge of illegal narcotics, we must not let the drug cartels exploit the pandemic to threaten American lives. By the way, my two guests this Sunday on Life, Liberty, and Levin are the great retired four-star General Jack Kane and the great senator from Arkansas, Tom Cott. And it's interesting. Among the questions I will ask the general... How does our military cope with all this? How does it protect us? In other words, these are real-world questions that a lot of us would like to know about. But not CNN and not MSNBC. Listen, so when CNN cut away, Wolf Blitzer observed the White House was trying to, quote, change the focus, unquote. No, it wasn't. 
because after that part of the briefing, the president immediately had his doctors and his experts there and the vice president there and spoke at length about the coronavirus. You know, this president can't win with these clowns. He doesn't have press conferences. They're angry. He has press conferences. They cut away. He spends more time talking to the disgusting, phony press in this country than any president in American history. So then John King piped up, reprobate. It's remarkable, he says, Wolf, and some would say shameless. This is a coronavirus task force briefing. The country's in the middle of a pandemic. Americans are afraid they're turning into these briefings to try and get information from the White House. Now, that's interesting since NBC, ABC, and CBS yesterday and today refused to cover it. The United States military and Justice Department are doing a better job keeping cocaine and other illicit drugs from getting into the country. Congratulations. You can schedule an event at the Pentagon, the Justice Department, or in the White House briefing room if you think that's a big deal. But call it what it is. Say we have a major announcement on the war on drugs. Instead, they walk out for a coronavirus task force uh, meeting, and the president's trying to have a bit of a political statement there. No, he's not. Shame on these these reprobates. What else can I say? Now, he reiterated Americans should applaud any success being made in the drug war, but that's not what this briefing was scheduled for. Ladies and gentlemen, the president decides what the briefing's scheduled for, not CNN. And he did get to the issues related to the coronavirus, and this is one too. That is military readiness and military protecting us at a time of a pandemic. It's a perfectly rational thing to do. And as I say, I'm particularly interested in this. At one point later in the briefing, CNN cut to a commercial break. Meanwhile, on MSLSD, Chuck Todd cut into the briefing for similar reasons, telling viewers they would return when we get on update on the pandemic. So you can see how they collude. They're all Democrats. They're all leftists. They all hate Trump. So you can see how they collude. Even now, they can't conduct themselves with class and show any respect, not just for the office of the presidency, but for the American people. He says it's certainly an interesting decision by the president to lead the task force with this. The president had important coronavirus news to tell us. I don't know. I would assume it must not trump this in his mind. These clowns can go to hell. We'll look elsewhere as they continue to try and censor what you and I get to know. From the Westwood One Podcast Network. Ladies and gentlemen, this final hour of the podcast is sponsored exclusively by AMAC, the Association of Mature American Citizens. Now over 2 million conservative members strong, AMAC believes in and stands up for the values that we care about, faith, family, and freedom. Thank you for listening, and please support AMAC. And you can become a member at amac.us slash join. He's here. He's here. Now broadcasting from the underground command post deep in the bowels of a hidden bunker somewhere under the brick and steel of a nondescript building we've once again made contact with our leader Mark Levin Hello everybody, Mark Levin here our number 877-381-3811 877-381-3811 get number 10 ready Mr. Producer 
the president's poll numbers are going up. The people get to see the president in action uh, without interpreters on these daily uh, press briefings about the coronavirus and related issues. The media don't like it. Started at MSNBC and CNN where hosts were saying, stop covering it, stop covering it. Uh, NBC, ABC, and CBS have listened to those hosts. Now MSNBC and CNN are doing very much the same thing. You heard about the brave doctors in communist China. There are also brave citizen journalists in communist China. We don't have brave journalists who sit in the White House press room. Or who are coming to you on TV from Washington and New York, giving you their absolutely useless thoughts. And what they're also trying to do, there's a tactic going on now, a narrative being pushed by the press, which is the president didn't take this seriously enough early on. He didn't follow the science. But of course, the president followed the science. He followed Dr. Fauci. And Dr. Fauci, early on, honestly, didn't think this was much of a big deal. Moreover, the press has done nothing, nothing to expose what the Democrats did through January and early February when it came to this disease. They did nothing. They distracted the administration. They distracted the American people as they have for over three years. But you don't see any stories about Adam Schiff or Gerald Nadler or Nancy Pelosi or Chuck Schumer. None of those stories. And of course, the reason is the press would have to do a story on the press. Because one of the institutions that let down the American people the most is the press. So when you hear a Wolf Blitzer or the other clowns at CNN or MSNBC or the other news outlets, say the president didn't take this seriously enough early on, you'll never hear them explain that he was relying on the science, that he was taking everything they told him seriously, that it was Dr. Fauci who compared this to a bad flu, which the president then repeated, as everybody did, including the media, including the Democrats. Moreover, the press will never report that the press was not interested in this story while they were going after the president, trying to remove him from office, even though he was never going to be removed from office since there was never going to be a supermajority vote in the Senate to remove him while the Republicans controlled 53 seats. So the press did not take this story seriously. In fact, it wasn't even on their radar screen. But here's Wolf Blitzer on CNN today. So now they're all trying to make their spurs by saying the same thing. Attacking the president, attacking the vice president, providing the American people, the very few who watch that, that uh, third, fourth tier network, almost no useful information. And by the way, I want to remind Wolf Blitzer, who I believe had family, if not his parents, in the Holocaust. If I'm wrong, I'm wrong, but that's what I recall. And I want to remind all the rest, Chuck Todd, that when you don't cover a story that the President of the United States is involved in directly every day that affects this society, because you don't like the fact that he's talking about a related matter, that is the readiness of law enforcement and the military to still deal with crucial issues that affect this nation, then you are conducting censorship. And you should be very, very concerned about the history of censorship in our media. Self-censorship. 
because the American people didn't know the full extent of the Holocaust until 1944, because the New York Times, the Washington Post, and all the rest of the American media were involved in self-censorship, even while the British papers were reporting it and other foreign papers were reporting it, even while Hitler and his regime was bragging about it. They were involved in self-censorship. They should be very, very mindful of this. The same thing when it came, and I've written about it and have told you this a thousand times, when it came to 1932, when Stalin was wiping out the Ukrainians by the millions, starving them to death. Not only was there self-censorship in the American media, there was outright propaganda by the New York Times and Walter Durandi They're on-the-scene newsman for 12 years in Moscow who was in Stalin's back pocket. And now, the progeny of these clowns, whether it's Wolf Blitzer or Chuck Todd or any of the rest of them, are telling you, you know, the president's playing games here. It's supposed to be a coronavirus press conference and... Now he's talking about what the Department of Justice and the United States military and the Coast Guard are doing to prevent other countries from using this event as a way to get more drugs into America. Of course that's related. And of course that's interesting information the American people should have. Now I played for you a montage put together by Grabian of Democrat after Democrat media figure after media figure who downplayed this virus. I've played for you a few times now, since earlier this week, the Castamedes piece, with Dr. Fauci himself on January 26th saying, the people shouldn't worry, this will be a bad flu and so forth. The data changed. And the data has been extremely confusing. And it has gone back and forth. You need whip, you get whiplash. So to try and create a narrative now that the President of the United States was mocking this, he called it a hoax, which he never did, and so forth and so on, is another vile, poisonous, cancerous attempt. A a coronavirus event. May I call it that? I'll coin the word, if I can ever say it. To try and take out the President of the United States. They are so diabolical. Now listen to this, hat tip, real clear politics. Wolf Blitzer is the vice president today. And look, look what he focuses on. Cut 10, go. Yeah, I'll just point out, it would have been good if the president wouldn't have been belittling the enormity of this crisis, the coronavirus pandemic, as he was. Wolf Blitzer, you are a liar. You are a liar. You are a fraud. You're a low IQ jackass. He wasn't belittling the virus any more than Dr. Fauci was belittling the virus, any more than your network was belittling the virus with your inattention to it. Who the hell do you think you are? I would ask all of you, America, many of you are at home right now, go ahead and do a Google or Bing or just do a search and see the first time Wolf Blitzer seriously covered this virus in the United States. Go ahead and find out. Go ahead on board. The models, Mr. Vice President, do predict that 100,000 people dying are based on a national, a national lockdown. But right now, the whole country isn't on the same page you, as you, you know, You know, Wolf, you only know that because the administration has told you that. Anyway, go ahead. 
why not, Mr. Vice President, issue a national stay-at-home order right now? Now listen to this. Wolf Blitzer and the other comrades who call themselves journalists want the President of the United States to issue a national stay-at-home shutdown of the entire United States economy. This guy is dangerous, number one. He doesn't have the constitutional authority to do such a thing. There's never been such a thing, not during the Civil War, not during the Depression, not during the Spanish flu that caused the death of over almost 700,000 Americans. There has never been a national stay-at-home order because a president does not have such fascistic power. He can't do it. He has no constitutional, legal authority whatsoever. It's never been done. And so this host for CNN doesn't even do basic research to inquire about it during his, he knows he's going to interview the vice president, raises it anyway, and speaks with arrogance. Arrogance. What about the whole country? On a national lockdown, a national stay-at-home order. And can you imagine, even if the president had that power, the impact on the entire country? It would be shocking. You don't need a national stay-at-home order, since three-fourths of the states barely are affected by this right now. If they're affected in any significant way, the governors will act. This is incredible that the president didn't take this seriously. He should have followed the science. He has followed the science every step of the way. So have you. So have I. And it goes this way and it goes that way. All of a sudden we're told there could have been one and a half million to 2.1 million deaths. First time we heard this was Saturday. Before that, things are doing better and so forth and so on. The models. The models have been wrong. Sometimes they're better than than they've been before. More data comes in. If you use Chinese data, you're making a mistake. Also, we're not Italy, but they're trying to do what they can. The more tests we have, the better we'll know. Well, why weren't there more tests earlier? Because they didn't have the tests. Well, why didn't the president get them? Because he was following the science, you idiots. No comment about Cuomo. No comment about the ventilators, the fact that the governors didn't order them. The ICU beds, the fact that the governors never ordered them. The facts that the tests didn't exist because the Obama-Biden administration didn't order them. No, 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 no. Now you're not allowed to get into history, Mark. you got to trash the president. Disgusting. Meanwhile, look at what the president's doing. It's yeoman. It's unprecedented. It's really quite incredible. Go ahead. Well, Wolf, respectfully, I'd I'd take issue with two things that you just said. I I don't believe the president has ever belittled the threat of the coronavirus. Well, I I was suggesting, I was suggesting, Mr. Vice President, we'll meet this moment. Hey, Blitzer, why don't you shut the hell up and let the man answer? You threw out, you, you shot your spitball. Now a real person who actually knows something is trying to respond. So why don't you just shut the hell up, sit down, 
ask your stupid-ass question and let the Vice President of the United States answer rather than talking over him. You never would do that to Obama or any of the rest of them. Go ahead. Your attitude and confidence in health care workers in this country. I, I, and the American I'm not saying that, but I was just suggesting. President Trump is going to continue to be confident that we will meet this moment. But with regard to the modeling, let well, me, let me, just, let uh, me, let me just interrupt clear. respectfully, Mr. Vice President. What I'm suggesting he was saying at one point it was. First of all, this guy sounds like he needs a checkup. Or maybe he's on site. Have you ever heard Wolf Blitzer so animated? He's talking fast. Wait, wait, wait a minute. I got so much to tell. Wait a minute. Go ahead. Regular flu, and he was talking about. All right, dummy. We're going to go back and play this just for Wolf Blitzer. Just for Wolf Blitzer, Mr. Producer. Let's get to the cut where Dr. Fauci said on January 26th, this is pretty much like a bad flu. Go ahead and play it. What can you tell the American people uh, about what's going on? Should they be scared? Uh, I don't think so. The American people should not be worried or frightened by this. It's a very, very low risk to the United States. It isn't something that the American public needs to worry about or be frightened about because we have ways of preparing, of screening, of people coming in, and we have ways of responding like we did with this one case in Seattle, Washington, who had traveled to China and brought back the infection. Got that? Got that, Wolf? No, he doesn't have that. He doesn't have that. But you, the American people, you have that. And I've got millions and millions of more listeners in you than he has. He doesn't even have millions of anything. Maybe his hemorrhoids. I don't know. But you see how the game is played? I'll show you now how another game is played. Mike Lindell is a great guy. I interviewed him at Life, Liberty, and Levin. This is a man who's accomplished. He was as low as can be. He was destitute. He was hooked on drugs. He found religion. He found Jesus. He fought his way out of it. He became a small businessman. He became a bigger businessman. He employs people. You've seen him as Mr. Pillow. He's now making masks. For the American people, that is, for doctors and nurses who need them, he's committed a significant amount of resources and his assembly plant to helping America. Not a damn person at CNN has done that. And so he spoke at the press conference Monday, and he dared to mention God and the president. Cut 11, go. Now I wrote something off the cuff, if I can read this. Okay. God gave us grace on November 8, 2016, to change the course we were on. God had been taken out of our schools and lives. A nation had turned its back on God. And I encourage you to use this time at home to get to home to get back in the Word, read our Bibles, and spend time with our families. Our president gave us so much hope where just a few short months ago, we had the best economy, the lowest unemployment, and wages going up. It was amazing. With our great president, vice president, and this administration, and all the great people in this country praying daily, we will get through this and get back to a place that's stronger and safer than ever. So how did CNN and Jim Acosta respond? Cut 12, go. 
it's another one of those reasons, Wolf, why I think these briefings could be, I think, better designed. Uh, the president could come out, say a few words in terms of what his administration is doing, not have uh, these, you know, uh, PR stunts like Mr. Pillow coming out and, and giving a plug for his company and that sort of thing. And let us hear more from Dr. Burks. Let us hear more from Dr. Fauci. Yeah, right. You actually don't hear enough, do you? We're going to have Mike Lindell on at the bottom of the hour. I'll be right back. AMAC, the Association of Mature American Citizens, is one of the fastest growing organizations in America. Now over 2 million conservative members strong, and I'm one of them. AMAC believes in and stands up for the values that we constitutional conservatives care about. More than talk, AMAC fights. A full-time presence in Washington, AMAC pushes back against reckless spending, disasters like Medicare for All, and the expanding reach of the federal government. And beyond advocacy, joining AMAC gives you access to a wealth of benefits and discounts, including special member-only rates on car insurance, travel discounts, cell phone plans, and a hell of a lot more. And if that's not enough, you'll get AMAC's bi-monthly magazine full of insightful articles on issues that matter to most of us, we conservatives. As I said, I'm an AMAC member, and you should be too. Join today at amac.us. That's A-M-A-C dot U-S. Stop supporting the liberal agenda that the other 50-plus organization has been pushing for. Join AMAC instead, A-M-A-C dot U-S. You know, Mr. Producer, I'm going to say this, and I believe it. The comments that the Democrats are making, now they want a commission to go after the president. At a time of crisis. At a time of crisis. All they can do is throw tomatoes and shoot spitballs. You know, there's really no difference between the media and the Democrat Party, which was really the core element in my book on freedom of the press. I truthfully believe America would be an even more wonderful country if the Democrat Party as an institution dropped dead. And there was a new party. It could be a party of liberals. The party used to be a great party, even though I disagree with it, with Scoop Jackson, Patrick Moynihan, people like that. But you won't find such people leading the Democrat Party in the bureaucracy of the Democrat Party anymore. It is a very poisonous entity that has as its purpose to undermine, to eviscerate, to fundamentally change anything it doesn't agree with. So there have been new parties replacing old parties in the past. I really think it's time for that because I think America would be a much better place if the current Democrat Party would drop dead. I'll be right back. AMAC, the Association of Mature American Citizens, is one of the fastest growing organizations in America. Now over 2 million conservative members strong, and I'm one of them. AMAC believes in and stands up for the values that we constitutional conservatives care about. 
More than talk, AMAC fights. A full-time presence in Washington, AMAC pushes back against reckless spending, disasters like Medicare for All, and the expanding reach of the federal government. And beyond advocacy, joining AMAC gives you access to a wealth of benefits and discounts, including special member-only rates on car insurance, travel discounts, cell phone plans, and a hell of a lot more. And if that's not enough, you'll get AMAC's bi-monthly magazine full of insightful articles on issues that matter to most of us, we conservatives. As I said, I'm an AMAC member, and you should be too. Join today at amac.us. That's A-M-A-C dot U-S. Stop supporting the liberal agenda that the other 50-plus organization has been pushing for. Join AMAC instead. A-M-A-C dot U-S. Mark Levin, the modern voice of the Founding Fathers. This is the Mark Levin Show. Dial in now at 877-381-3811. Let's show you how seriously the media take the coronavirus. Uh, I've been also trying to lead the argument on what about civil liberties? Have the media done any stories pro-civil liberties I've also said, shouldn't we have a temporary respite on immigration of all kinds? You know, Coolidge did that for many, many years. Can we do that for six months, eight months, ten months? Apparently not. So the media do not really support shutting down the country like they talk about because they don't want to shut down immigration. They just want to shut down they don't, they, those things that they don't agree with like Mike Lindell, who will be up in a minute. Mike Lindell, how are you, my friend? I'm doing great. It's been a fun few, few days here. I yeah, love the I know. <laughs> well, uh, oh. you made a mistake. You're not allowed to mention Jesus, and you're not allowed right. to support the president. You should know better than that. Yeah, um, I, I did both things at the same time, right? <laughs> which is really a double whammy. Now, but seriously, Mike, here you are. You're really trying to c- contribute to the cause, you're using your, your, your company in many respects to make masks and so forth. You're under attack by a media that really contributes nothing. I don't know, what, yeah. what are they doing to the war effort other than attacking people they don't agree? They say you and guys like you, you shouldn't be on the stage. Yeah, I, I couldn't believe it. You know, that Jim Acosta, all these places that attacked me, I, when I got out, I was at the White House for about five hours and I left there and... My Twitter, everything's blowing up, and I'm going, what, what's going on? And, and I'm seeing these comments coming from the, the left media, and I'm going, what did I do? I told people, you know, hey, we, our country, we, we, you know, we fell away from God, and we, we should, this should take this time to read the Bible and uh, spend some time with our families. But I wasn't there. You know, they're saying, oh, he's promoting his pillows. The president bought him to promote his brand. People know me. I didn't say, you know, we were brought in to say that we're, you know, what we're doing is to help this pandemic. And I've, I've took out my employees. We're so everybody jumped in. We, we're making 50,000 masks a day now to help out. And I've always done that. My wait a minute. Wait, 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 wait. 50,000 masks a day. I don't remember Jim Acosta even mentioning that. No, yeah, no, absolutely not. And and we ramped up very fast. I had a two hundred thousand square foot factory and 
and we had to, we had to, you know, we had to do three things. We had to make it safe for all our employees. So we check them at the door. They have to wear a mask. They have to get sanitized before they even come in. They can take breaks anytime they want by themselves. And we had to put move sewing machines. I had to find out how to make the mask. And uh, but we're good at ramping up very fast. And and we went from ten thousand. I got my other four companies involved. Our four four places that make different parts of my pillow toppers and. And uh, we uh, will be at 50,000 and we went to two shifts and uh, you know what the, the administration, they have, they've had this task force there that really helped us and get it guiding us to, you know, what, what's what we can make and what we could make. And so that helped too. You see what it is, Mike Lindell is you're showing Americanism at work. You're showing patriotism, faith, family, You're doing something big for your country at a time of need. And there are many examples of of, of patriotic men and women like you doing whatever they can, whatever business they have, small, large, whatever, people helping neighbor. The media don't want to hear about this. They don't want to know about it. Yeah, and I don't and I don't get it. And I said to the you know, I said to the president, I said, you know what, Mr. President, you're doing these that I think it was uh Don Lemon said, We gotta get rid of these press conferences. We gotta we just gotta cherry pick out the good parts. You mean soundbite it or whatever for your own purposes. Well I told the president, I said, Mr. President, since you've been doing this, I said the the public is feeling safer. I said I, I, it's over 60% saying you're handling this great. And I, I told him about one of my friends that's on the left, and he, he wrote me, he goes, Mike, I, it was a text, he says, Mike, you know I'm not a big fan of President Trump, but you know what, God bless him, he's doing a great job with this. I think he's turning me. And that's the people on both sides. This isn't a political thing. We're all in this together, and this we're coming together as, a, as businesses, sec, private sector, government, to come together and get through this. You just have these media, left-wing, crazy outlets, and uh, people that I, I just think it's pure evil. I'm sorry. May I say this? I think I can say it. It's my damn show. Let me say this to you, Mike Lindell. <laughs> Honest to God, and you never get, I sleep on your pillow every single night. I happen, by the way, it's not a commercial. I right, love right. your pillow. Now, is there something wrong with that? Now you're on my program. And the fact of the matter is, the reason I wanted to talk to you, number one, I feel like I know you. We had a great interview. Every time I see you, you're a terrific guy. The public loves you. You're a very kind-hearted, decent man. Here you are trying to help your country. You're not GM. You're not Ford. You're not United Technologies. You're Mr. Pillow. And you're saying, you know what? We can do this with our fabrics. We can do this. We 50,000 masks a day. That is huge. And you're contributing to this war. And I don't like it that you come under attack because you're an evangelical Christian, because you're a man who believes in faith. And it's your faith that dragged you out, right, from the gutter and brought you to the point where you are today. Right. And I put it right out there. My story of hope in this time we're in, you know, I come from crack addiction and other addictions to where I'm at. I use that story to give others hope. And, you know, and, you know, the good things, like just uh, I'm going to give an example today. In Minnesota, my my county, uh, in southern Minnesota, Martin County, it's where a lot of my relatives are from. And I just found out today they have the highest uh, ratio of uh, of people that have the have the have the uh, the virus. And 
we sent a truckload of masks down there for all the hospitals in town. That meant so much to me. Much to me. If I hadn't reacted when I did, they didn't have anything there. This mm. is just a small 10,000 people town, and none of them had masks, none of the hospitals or anything. They were out, and it just feels so good to help and give back. And, and uh, you know, not just with uh, my story, but, you know, to do, I figure God gave me grace, and I got through a some bad times in my life, and I, you know, I just want to give the glory to God and give back, and I don't see what's wrong with that. There's nothing wrong with that. Matter of fact, there's everything right with that. And Mike Lindell, can you imagine doing World War II, or any war, or any other pandemic, where you have a small company like yours, and it's a relatively small company, and it steps up, contributes to the war effort, or the fighting the pandemic, where you had a media back then that started to attack somebody that's producing 50,000 masks a day, this media is very different than anything we've ever seen, isn't it? Yeah, it is. It really is. And and it's and I don't understand it. It's like, I, you know, I was and it's and it, you know, it's just the, I think it's just the media too. I was in I was in California. I had my movie last year called Unplanned. It was a a true story of Abby Johnson with uh she worked for Planned Parenthood and left there because she seen what was going on. Well, I was at the red carpet event in California. And there were protesters there, and they, they go, hey, Mike, can we get your picture? Can we get your picture? I, I, I'm gracious. I went across the street, took their pictures. I said, do you guys, uh, you know, you have a problem with the movie or stuff? And they go, no, we're getting paid to do this. I mean, I don't know where this wow. ends in our country. All of them got paid. I said, well, how much are they paying you? I said, you need some money here? I, you know, <laughs> <laughs> I mean, it's, but it's, uh, I don't know where we're going. It's, you know, we were going down a bad path in our country, and I'm I stand by what I said on that stage that, you know, I got on November 8, 2016, God gave us grace and we were going down and we had taken God out of the schools and our country was, uh, you know, God out of our country. We turned a nation turned its back on God. And that's what I said. And I, you know, I stand by it. I'll and you down. speak for tens of millions of people with faith. And why shouldn't you read your Bible if you're at home? Right. And why right. should, and you know, uh, Look at all the, the pastors and rabbis and the rest. Look at all the people of faith who are trying to do as the, as the state and federal government asked them to do, how they're having services on the Internet and, and other things right. of that sort. These are magnificent, great people. But you know what? These people in these newsrooms, let's be honest, Mike Linda, most of them are not Orthodox Jews or Evangelical Christians or what have you. Most of them right. are secularists and they're liberals. Yep, yeah, they are, yeah. You know, it's very sad because we have a we have people at home out there and they're looking for hope and whether, you know, with faith and everything else. And they're seeing these people on TV. I wish they they should ban these hosts from TV. I'm serious. We uh, I said I said on a show I was on yesterday, we were talking about, you know, I come from addiction, Mark, you know, and, and, and they said, Mike, if, what about the addicts that are at home now? And I said, you know what? Here's what they could be doing besides getting into the Bible and spend time with their families, but they got their phones. They should be, everybody knows, like if you're a 20 year old opiate addict or whatever, you might not relate to a 30 year old crack addict, but you know, one of your friends, your same age that made it through and get them on the phone and FaceTime mm-hmm. him. And this is your time to spend time with, with, uh, it could be a whole national, you know, a treatment center where you can talk to the people that have made it through. You got a lot of time right now to do that. And you probably not be able to go out and get your drugs. So this is a good time to, uh, to get on there and look at people that have made it through and, and, and reach out and grab some of that hope. Excellent advice. Mike Lindell, 
we here wish you all the best. We want to thank you for your courage. Unfortunately, it takes courage now to speak about God. It's unbelievable. We want to thank you for your courage and your forthrightness, and you're a very, very decent human being. God bless you, my friend. God bless. Well, hey, Mark, you know what? I don't care about when, they, uh, when, they, when the, Twitter, the tweeters, the bots and trolls say, boycott Mike Lindell and my pillow, and they say, the other ones will say, don't boycott him. He'll double his ends. We see enough of that guy. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I can only say, I use your pillow. I don't need to promote it. I need your pillow to go to sleep. That and my wife, of course, but I need your pillow. Thank you, Mike. God bless you, my friend. He's terrific. And he doesn't deserve the kind of mockery and treatment that he got from Jim Acosta, who's an absolute punk. I'll be right back. AMAC, the Association of Mature American Citizens, is one of the fastest-growing organizations in America. Now over 2 million conservative members strong, and I'm one of them. AMAC believes in and stands up for the values that we constitutional conservatives care about. More than talk, AMAC fights. A full-time presence in Washington, AMAC pushes back against reckless spending, disasters like Medicare for All, and the expanding reach of the federal government. And beyond advocacy, joining AMAC gives you access to a wealth of benefits and discounts, including special member-only rates on car insurance, travel discounts, cell phone plans, and a hell of a lot more. And if that's not enough, you'll get AMAC's bi-monthly magazine full of insightful articles on issues that matter to most of us, we conservatives. As I said, I'm an AMAC member, and you should be too. Join today at amac.us. That's A-M-A-C dot U-S. Stop supporting the liberal agenda that the other 50-plus organization has been pushing for. Join AMAC instead, A-M-A-C dot U-S. had a brilliant idea just now. See, I give credit where credit is due. I don't play these games. This is the way I'm trained. I think it's the moral and ethical thing to do. She had a brilliant idea. Simple idea. She said the president should set up a task force sort of in tandem with the coronavirus task force but on the economy. And when and how we restart the economy. And by the way, I would add, and don't load it up with a bunch of goons and morons with, you know, go big, more government spending. We're talking about the private sector. How to create growth, how to preserve businesses, how to get entrepreneurs back up and running, how to get people jobs and not just pouring concrete uh, on bridges and roads that nobody right now can use. That is a great idea, a great idea, because these experts and these doctors are focused myopically, as you can imagine, on the virus. But this is a bigger crisis than the virus. It's now become an economic crisis. So kudos to her. I strongly support it. If anyone at the White House is listening, we need a task force, and not led by Mnuchin. No, he's poison. Led by somebody who actually believes in the private sector, not centralized government uh, subsidies. A serious person. The president knows many of them. A task force, the focus of which is how we get this economy up and running, when we get it up and running, and immediately expand the private sector. Not government, not infrastructure, not loans, not uh, unemployment. The private sector. 
That would be wonderful. I'm very excited about what I'm going to tell you. Very. Because I've been involved in developing this. With these crises going on, with the election coming up, you got fear, uncertainty, isolation has left many people feeling lost, confused, frustrated, worried about the future of the country. And one thing is certain, the misinformation is spreading, thanks to the media and some elected officials. It's more important than ever that Americans get the truth. It's more important than ever that we embrace our faith, our history, our family, Americanism. More important than ever that you turn to a trusted source, Levin TV, which is on our network, Blaze TV. A lot of networks are scaling back. Levin TV is not. And we're going to keep delivering for you. And who knows how long this crisis will go on, and we have an election to deal with too. But I'll be right here beside you every step of the way, on radio, on Fox But Levin TV, we've got something very, very exciting going on starting right now. We are going to give you $30 off on your annual subscription for the first year. We're going to knock it down from $99 a year to $69 a year, where you can watch their marquee program, me, Levin TV. You can watch Crowder. You can watch my buddy Beck. You can watch us all. $69 a year. That's less than $6 a month. $30 off our annual $99 subscription. And you'll immediately get to watch Levin TV, Louder with Crowder, Glenn TV, The Rubin Report, Wilkow, and so much more. No matter what happens in the world, no matter what happens in the world, we will be there with you. And I could not be more proud of my staff and crew and how hard they're working, <clears throat> even through all this. So rather than raising the price, I want to slash the price. And I'm slashing the price from $99 a year to $69 a year. Some of you who are subscribers, please encourage others, particularly others who are stuck at home now, to sign up at that rate. We need to build a bigger and more powerful town hall meeting where you and I meet twice a week or more. We need to overcome the CNNs and the MSNBCs, the Washington Posts and the New York Times. And we're making it as easy for you as possible if you're in a position to do it. So I want to strongly encourage you. The mission of this entire project where I launched it in my living room was about Americanism and liberty and our principles and faith and family. And we need them now more than ever, don't we? So give us a call at 844-LEVIN-TV, 844-LEVIN-TV, 844-LEVIN-TV. We will be there with you every step of the way. Or levintv.com, levintv.com. But give them a call. They're all there, and they're all waiting to hear from you. Or you can go to blazetv.com, blazetv.com. We have many ways to sign up. And we're all there, we're all ready, and I want you to strongly, strongly consider joining immediately. That $30 off obviously won't last forever, and it is a big opportunity for all of us. I want to salute all you heroes out there, every one of you, 
for all that you're doing. And keep coming back here. We'll keep duking it out, and we'll keep looking for the right way to move. See you tomorrow, and God bless you. From the Westwood One Podcast Network.